Welcome to Mihinte on Air on 100.5 and 790 News Radio WSGW and online WSGW.com. Now, here is your host, Larry Rodarte. Bienvenidos, mi gente. Thank you for joining me tonight on Mi Gente On Air, now in our second year of our show, Bringing Latinos to the Table. We are here in Saginaw County, and great things are happening, such as the new Mary Freebed Rehabilitation uh, with Covenant Hospital that will be opening uh, December 13th, that new building. It looks real beautiful. I had a tour with it, and it looks like a great facility addition for medical needs in our community, especially as our boomers are aging, and that includes myself. I also got a press release about the Castle Museum being awarded an 18000 grant from the Michigan Council of Arts and Cultural Affairs. Such a gem in our city, and I'm always going to be a cheerleader for the Castle Museum because it's such a great building, and I do sit on the board. And they have an exciting exhibit on the Goodrich Brothers opening soon, the famous photographers from the early 20th century. And not only do we have a new president at Delta College, Dr. Michael Gavin, who is looking to diversify the educational institution, but we also have Eduardo Zuniga, who is a new dean of career education and learning partnerships. So a lot's happening over there at Delta College as well. And a lot is actually happening as we move into 2022. Wow, 2022. It sounds futuristic to me. Sometimes I think my mindset is still set in the 80s and the 90s. Well, on today's show, I have invited a young man who threw his hat in the ring during the 2020 election and ran for Saginaw City Council. He won and is the first Hispanic City Councilman since Daniel Sosa Jr. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm not sure if Andrew Went was uh, Hispanic or um, not, but I know those are the two names um, when we look at Latinos at the City Council that come up, Daniel Sosa Jr., Andrew Wen, and now Michael Flores. Well, anyway, today at Alpha Media Studios in Saginaw City, Councilman Michael Flores is here. We welcome you to Mi Gente on Air. Hello. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good, good. And how is your son? I have to ask about him. He's awesome. He's great. He's uh, Elliot. Oh, so he just got his new, he, he got a phone. He's nine years old. He just got a phone yesterday. It's a big deal. It's uh, it's something that I'm trying to kind of reconcile with, but that's his newest update. But he's doing well. He's a good kid. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, he, he's such a part of why we are here today. And, I, and why I say that is because you are so concerned um, about the future mm-hmm. of the city you live in, the world you live in, yeah. since you became a father. And so uh, I think that's part of the reason why you ran for city council, but yeah. let's talk about first, uh, who is Michael Flores, so that my listeners who may not know, um, and, and what is your background? I believe you're a Catholic boy, yeah. right? Tell me about that. Nouvelle, St. Stephen's. So um, every time I get asked this question, I have to kind of take a minute because I sometimes I don't know who I am, but uh, I was born and raised in Saginaw. I went to St. Stephen's. I went to Nouvelle. I graduated in 2002. Went on to um, go to uh, MSU for a small amount of time. All right. That I love. Go green. Yes. Go white. Uh, it, it was too much for me. 
And so uh, at a later date, I decided to go to Delta and SFSU. I'm a graduate of those two uh, institutions. And then, you know, I'm, I guess of anything, I've just been really involved in politics. I don't know why, but, uh, you know, I had worked for Congressman Kildee as his uh, political coordinator. I had worked for additional Congress um, elections. There's one in Michigan's 10th. 11th district for Sunil Gupta back in 2018. I was his financial associate, which really means that I just sit and have him call people for money. Uh, and then what else? I was on the one campaign, which helps kind of with the grassroots stuff here in Saginaw back in 2018 after Sunil did not win the primary. Um, well, well, let's let's move to back to the summer of 2020. You yeah. know, we're in the midst of all what's happening in the country, the pandemic, of yep. course, racial tensions, mm -hmm. and, you know, we're heading strongly to uh, an election. Mm -hmm. And and I want to tell my listeners this because this is how I met Michael Flores. Yep. Um, I got a text from you, and yep. then uh, that text led to you coming to the Union Civica Mexicana, where I spend my days, Thursdays and Fridays, cooking mm -hmm. over there like a tonto. <laughs> but you came over. Never had heard of you. Yep. Um, but I thought, wow, this is awesome because we have a young man, somebody who is going to hopefully change it up a little bit on the city council. Yeah. We haven't had much representation through the years. Yeah. And um, we needed a voice. And so you came, walked in. We sat in the big hall area. There was there was nothing in there at the time because we were cleaning the floors. Yeah. We sat two chairs down. And you and I had a discussion, and I made sure you knew some of the history of the Union Civica mm -hmm. Mexicana. Do you remember a that? Lot, a lot of the history. And it was so important for me to kind of fully digest that we have a lot of history as Hispanics here yes. in the city of Saginaw that we sometimes are overlooked, but we have so much potential to be able to, to do the types of things that you talked about, you know, build homes have people um, live in the types of homes and neighborhoods that they did. Your father did a lot of that. The Union Civica, to have that be a landmark and an area where people can go to dance, celebrate, live, get connected. There's so much that doesn't, that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. And, you know, as a culture, I think that we miss out on that a lot more now and the importance of, you continuing to be a steward of that institution, to be somebody that promotes the idea that we have a strong culture here and always have. Mm -hmm. um, that was always something that was intriguing to me. What I had told Mr. Rodardi when we first met was that uh, my grandparents on my mother's side, uh, the Gutierrez's, had ran the first bakery um, in the city of Saginaw for uh, the Mexican community. My grandfather, um, Rudolfo, who who is my namesake, you know, my na my Michael Rudolph Flores, uh, he w passed away at an early age uh, from a heart attack, and they sold off the Vegas to the Vargas uh, family. But you know, to really appreciate that history is important. And so when we did connect, we, you told me so much more history than I ever thought could be possible and it's it's just uh it's a good time to reevaluate what that all means to the city of Saginaw and to to what that means to us as a um, Hispanic community 
I actually put uh, Councilman Flores in the kitchen, yeah. uh, made some bolas, you know, for the masa to be rolled out for yeah. our, our patitos because I was busy at the time. And I said, you know what? Okay, if we're going to have these discussions, we're going to have to have you in here and helping uh, put out these meals because yeah. um, we're running out of time. And so he did. He actually put on a hairnet and gloves. And we did it, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not like, uh, I'm not foreign to the kitchen. Yeah. I mean, I love cooking. I love being able to, to help make food. That's probably some of the most um, undressed, important conversations you can have. It's mm-hmm. when you're talking with somebody and when you're cooking in, in the middle exactly. of it. It's very meditative. It's very cool. Well, I have always been a historian, if you will, and um, how important is it for our community, especially our young people, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about Elliot, to know the history of Latinos in Saginaw or, say, experience the culture through, say, the tamales for the Cinco de Mayo celebration, which, mm-hmm. by the way, you know, we, we've really taken aback because of this pandemic. We haven't had the Cinco de Mayo for two years. And if you look at it, we're um, less than six months out, for the, yeah. you know. So how important is it, though, you think? What if you didn't know about your culture? What if you were born and raised and didn't know anything about where you came from or how you got to Michigan of all places, right? Like we kind of, especially as Hispanics, how did we get all the way up here? And why are we here now? And those are important things. That's definitely something that a lot of folks get lost on now is because they just take it for granted. I take it for granted that I was born and raised in Saginaw, Michigan, and that we, uh, the story of how we got to be where we're at, how we got into the middle class, or how we got into be able to be in a place of me running for council and winning, those are all things that are incredibly important. Um, my son is just learning about civic government and what that all means. I mean, it, that, and that's after the fact of me running and, and winning a seat on the council. Yeah. It's like, you know, we don't, him and I are, you know, uh, a small family, and I'm a single father, but we don't really talk about those types of things when it comes to politics because he's not at an age where he can really be interested in that. But it, it's incredibly important. I yeah. mean, we map out our our dinners every day monday through friday so monday's meat day tuesday's taco day of course uh wednesday's fish day thursday's tamale day and Mm. friday is um either vegetarian day depending on if it's lent or not because he's a um lutheran or we kind of we're more flexible on friday but that's all part of culture. That's all part of heritage. And yeah. it's very strong here in, in the city of Saginaw. Well, I am an advocate for knowing where you come from because mm-hmm. I know that, you know, as we tread along in our lives and, you know, we face so much uh, adversi- adversity and, and just sometimes we get caught in a situation where we have to be strong individuals. Yeah. And if you know where you come from, if you know your background, you know uh, your history, I think that that makes your spine a little stronger mm-hmm. when you're facing the adversity in your lifetime. There's and a level of confidence yes. that you really, you know that you are of a certain spirit. You know that you are of a certain makeup. Especially with minorities, black and brown, there have been a lot of adversities that we have had to overcome. To know that that's part of your makeup is important. We talk about the fact that he is half white half hispanic and he appreciates the fact that 
he is somebody that is in growing up in a culture that those things need to be recognized that there's a mixture of races absolutely especially with his own makeup mm-hmm. um, and that that's part of him and he I think as a young man nine years old he really appreciates that and that that's important to that's me. awesome yeah that's awesome okay so you got elected in November 2020 election mm-hmm Thank you, by the way, for all the help that you did. Oh, thank you so much. Um, what What was it like for you leading up to the election and then finding out that you actually won? Mm-hmm. What, what was it like, like on the night of? Well, I, you know, I remember texting you and talking with you during that that time. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, okay, let's let's say the night of, just because yeah. you know we could talk. We're going to talk a little bit also about what led you to that to actually throw your hat in the ring. But let's yeah. talk about that particular night. It was a crazy night because I think, you know, our election was important. Absolutely. There were 11 people that were running, you know, to, to try to reform or um, change council. At the same time, that's in the backdrop of the, the president's race, right? Yeah. And, like, one of the things that I had told people in public when I, it, it was some event at the uh, Saginaw City Zoo where it was the lieutenant governor. Uh, Congressman Kildee, myself, um, Joyce Seals, who is the former mayor of Saginaw. And like what we were talking about was Saginaw is a pivot county, which means that it had gone for Barack Obama in 2008 and then 2012. It switched over to Donald Trump in 2016. And so really as part of my motivation was re-energizing the electorate and making sure that people were able to flip the county again uh, over to blue, which we did. That was part of my calculus. The other part of that, obviously, is the types of issues that I see in the city of Saginaw that need to be addressed that had not been addressed traditionally. Um, And there is somewhat of a shock to the system. And if you look at prior campaigns, People didn't really run. We didn't have right. an open field. We didn't have a field that was super uh, congested. So to me, the night of, you know, luckily, myself and I think uh, Councilperson Williams had a really good showing when it came to the early report numbers. I remember my mom sending me a picture of my name on the, the news of, like, somebody that had uh, good numbers. And so... There, there was a, a, a large amount of excitement. I, when you get prepared to, to understand the the, the total of your uh, campaign, you know you have to acknowledge that you may lose, and that's something I had a conversation with Elliot about. That's something I talked with my family about. But we ended up winning, I think, and we're we're trying to do the best that we can with the opportunity that we have. You talked about it one time, I remember, that you should not be paying for votes. No. and I mean, realistically, you came out of nowhere, right? Yeah. And so let's talk about that because that's so important mm-hmm. in the generation today about those that may consider running for office. Yeah. My main excitement was because I came from a financial associate background with Mr. Gupta, who had ran in the 11th district back in 2018, he broke records for fundraising that did not equal to his win 
He lost that primary. Mm -hmm. People traditionally look at politics as you got to pay as much money as you can to get yard signs, to get uh, one flyers and stuff. You and I worked on flyers. I paid. I paid for them. Thank you for your help. You did a great <laughs> job. Uh, yet, that's what's so exciting about local government is that you can run. You don't have to have the resources that are traditionally needed, and you can win. And you can, especially given your name and your reputation. I think what's great about Saginaw is that if you have a good reputation of who you are as a person, how you're going to be servicing the community, uh, anything's possible, and you don't need to throw money at it to, to be able to win. And, you know, I think that um, trying to understand what makes Councilman Flores tick. Mm-hmm. Um, Nothing. <laughs> what would you have <laughs> said are those role models yeah. that you have politically because you know you you mentioned Kildi you mentioned Gupta and mm-hmm. where did it where did it come from where you should where you said I should run for city council that's one thing and then tell me the role models that may have led you there mm-hmm. uh, I think I look into my family for role models I think my father has always been a great um, person to look up to again my son is an amazing person Politically, obviously Obama had a a huge impression on all of us, Um, but it's really personal politics. It's more about how you can help your community and what that looks like for not only my father, who is, you know, getting up there in terms of age. Sorry, Dad. But (laughs) also my son. Like, what does that all look like? The influences that I have are not national influences. It's all about who my family is, what their needs are, and how we can help each other. And my son has a lot of great people in the neighborhood that I love, and they're younger kids. That's from anywhere from four to to nine. They're going to be growing up in Saginaw, and mm-hmm. we need to be able to make sure that they're okay. And that's one of my main um, points of interest. And and it's so important, I think, that we have role models say mm-hmm. for the city council because Daniel Souza was my um, basketball coach was he really yeah I didn't even know it until Wait, where? At, at the YMCA way back when <laughs> and I didn't all I knew was there was a guy with a mustache and a longer hair like my dad has now and that he was like super involved in the community oh yeah yeah and then when, I didn't, when did you make that connection that it not was until actually... after I got elected <laughs> and it was crazy. And the, I was like, this guy is like super passionate. He'd always sit us down like, yeah, you guys got to do this to win. And he was always, very, you know, very concentrated on winning, but mm-hmm. also on being part of the team. Yeah. He was always really good about including everybody. Because I'm not a good basketball player. I'm not a good athlete at all. But he always put me in. In that moment when you think you want your kid to be in there and they're not in there, he was always like uh, very respectful of that. And so when I did connect that, um, it was very important to me to understand that who he was as a person because I hear about him so much, yeah. and he's done such a great job. Uh, he did such a great job before he had passed, and you know, if I have to be in his shadows, I I, I welcome that. He's a he's a great man, and I think history will um, continues to 
treat him generously. Yes, Daniel Sosa Jr. His father was also Daniel Sosa Sr., who was very involved with the Union Civica Mexicana. And then, of course, Dan in what his contribution was to our community. That that side, if you if you talk to him, if you if you can re- reach back and remember mm-hmm. that that he wasn't very loud. No, you know the the, the the mannerisms that he had to get his point across, mm-hmm. and he did this very eloquently and very well. And I remember the last conversation I had with him um, was at the Dow Event Center at the Red Room. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, Larry, keep doing what you're doing. Continue on. And and at the time, you know, you just take it for what it is. And then you look back, you know, of course, when somebody passes, of course, Mm -hmm. and you're thinking, wow, you know, that those are such strong words of encouragement. Yeah. Um, And I think that's what we need. We need more role models within our community. Our young people need role models. So I'm glad that you stepped uh, to the plate and you know ran for city council because mm-hmm. we can always point and say hey well look at Michael Flores what he did and um, hopefully there'll be more you know, yeah for sure I, th- I hope so too again uh, Daniel senior C- was my basketball coach not junior oh so that's the whole circle there. no 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 now wait junior is Daniel Sosa who was the city councilman okay. Uh, then yeah. there's Dan Sosa the third, yeah. who we know okay. and we work with. All right, yeah. I and then to there was that. his father, who was senior. Your generation probably wouldn't know the senior one. Yeah. I uh, know of him because of my association with the Union Civica Mexicana. But okay, yep. Um, yep. So there's there's three of them. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if there's a fourth, but um, not yet. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, so so the coach for you was actually which one? The city council member. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah. So that's that's why it's. Uh, Isn't that amazing? Because, it's so cool. Yeah, yeah. to to, ap- to know this after you actually won. Because I remember before you won in our discussions, that name was never brought up, mm-hmm. except for him being the. He was actually the president of the Civica at one point. Yeah. Um. So that makes it you know kind of neat that you actually made that connection, mm-hmm. and you're like, hey, wait a minute, he actually did have an influence over. That that's what I mean. He was a leader. He was a coach. Yeah. I mean, just just straight up a leader. And I think that that's what's important to Saginaw is you need people to be able to step up, to lead, and to kind of have this uh, view of how we can be better. And he's always exemplified that, unbeknownst to me, and what ended up happening with our, you know, our paths crossing. So yeah, that was really cool. Well, you know, I lo- I like the story I heard from about you when you said that at the last moment you threw your hat in the ring. Man, yeah, you want to uh, tell me about that? So this will be interesting. Uh, you had until Jan- July 21st at 5 p.m. to be able to um, to submit your petitions to the city clerks to run and be on the ballot. I decided I, I held off on it because when you're working in politics, you don't ever want to be the person that you're, you know, that's on the front lines that has the. Na- I didn't. When I thought about it, I wouldn't imagine that my name would be on anything, any flyers, any yard signs. It just felt uncomfortable to me. And so there's a hesitation there. I waited until the day before you had to turn the petitions in, and I went around my neighborhood to collect signatures. You needed 50 total valid signatures, and I did it from 5 o'clock until about 7, and I got all the, because I know my neighborhood real well in Northmore, and uh, I got the signatures. And so I turned them in the next day. They said there were four that were um, not valid valid and so i had to get eight more so i ran back it was like the the moment before like an hour before you were able to actually be qualified and so i ended up being on there at the end so when people say you know did you have this plan not really i just kind of thought 
I'm going to get off the couch. If I want to help my community, I'm going to do it. And it's going to be, if it, it's meant to be, it'll be. I think that kind of God blessed me with the, the type of people I met in my neighborhood uh, to be able to sign on and support me, and it happened. And thank God it did, right? I mean, right. talk about last minute. Last, last minute. Yeah, they right. always call me last minute Larry. So, yeah, I'm going to yeah. pass that on to you. Thanks so and, much. <laughs> I'll be calling but, uh, Larry. we're going to come back. We're going to talk more with Councilman Michael Flores here on Mi Gente on Air. And we're going to learn a lot more about this young man who put his hat to the plate. And he is now a councilman for the city of Saginaw. We'll be right back. This is Mihinta On Air on WSGW. You're listening to Mi Hinte On Air on WSGW. And we're back. We're back here in the studios with Councilman, Saginaw City Councilman Michael Flores. Here as we begin and tread into the winter months. We're in December. And I want to ask you, Michael, if you... I'm sorry, Councilman Flores. Thank you. I, I have to be more either, formal either here. It's fine but with me. Even though he's my friend. But yeah. the thing is that um, I want to know is... If we look back, now you've been a councilman for over a year mm -hmm. already, believe it or not. Yeah, right. What would you say is different in your perspective today as opposed to when you first ran and became a councilman? I think everybody that runs for an elected office kind of tries to gauge what the power they have that's you know, bestowed upon by the people when they get into office. You know, it was a pretty quick onboarding that I had. Yeah. And... In terms of local government, the city of Saginaw doesn't really emphasize on it being a full-time job, right? I mean, we get paid $59 per meeting. That's it. So it's, it's basically, you know, when you get uh, like a charge and you have to go do community service, basically <laughs> we're just doing community service all the time, which, you know, when what really motivates you is the love of your city and being able to continue to be motivated to show up every time to do what you need to do. Uh, and then also just learning the structure of the government. I think that we're all equals. That's what I love about being on the council. Uh, it's nonpartisan, so there's really no BS or stuff that, that goes on that's uh, Republican or Democrat. And you get to really focus on the issues that are going to affect people's lives. It's, it's, it's definitely interesting. There's a lot more to learn. Um, the types of people that the mayor's been great about kind of guiding me and telling me how to what the avenues are to you have to to deal with. The council member Ostash in the beginning was really, really great about being a good um, mentor. And after that, you got to get thrown into the fire and you just kind of do what you can to help your city. But it all comes pretty fast for sure. Well, I have witnessed, um, sometimes closely, sometimes not, the different um, people who have sat on the city council. I'm talking because of my involvement with Mi Gente Magazine, so we're looking 25 years mm -hmm. plus, and 
you know, I definitely can say that there is seemingly a lot more louder voices today, I think, mm -hmm. than what I have experienced in the past, whether I was watching on television, you know, the, the, the council meetings or whether I've been in the council chambers. Mm -hmm. um, it just seems to be a difference. And I think that um, this council meant uh, council people of today, you know, they're, they're changing the narrative, I think. They're changing mm -hmm. the narrative of what we have traditionally seen in Saginaw and changing the narrative as to where we're going. Can mm -hmm. you speak a little bit about that? I think that that's just kind of a sign of our times. It's not that we're inventing issues. It's more that we're being more inquisitive about them. Mm -hmm. You know, usually, this is the way I look at it. I don't think that if you got all 42,000 of us in a room in the city of Saginaw, that we would agree on everything all the time. Right. I think that we there should be a public conversation about issues that mean things to the people. I don't think having a, an agenda where everybody just says yes to everything is a good form of a democratic process. If there's a loudness to it, and I think I really do my best to not be emotional about the types of things I'm passionate about when it comes to policy issues. Yet, that's what I think people are seeing, is that there's a, there's a, a different train of thought. There are y younger council members or council members that come from a different background, you know, especially with the two other folks that I got elected um, in with. And they have a difference of opinion only because they know the potentials of political power. They know that you can change things if you do speak up. And it's not meant to be a ruckus. It's not meant to be um, a spectacle. It's meant to just make sure that the people are aware that there are different takes on uh, different policy issues. Yeah, and I've noticed a, lo a lot of... Um, there's. A clarification. So sometimes you just need clarification mm -hmm. in regards to the issues. You need a little bit more information for understanding. Yeah. And sometimes um, I, I I like seeing that that that's because sometimes some of the listeners out there they they need that clarification as well as yeah. the councilman. So that, that that's a good thing. More than anything, sometimes I'm asking questions on behalf of the public yeah. because either they reach out to me and they say, you know, what's up with this. Or I know that there's questions to be had. You can't, you can't not ask questions on stuff that really matters, um, because there are people out there that that would like that type of a voice, and I think that that's really cool about our current council. Well, you're going to have your job set out for you when it comes to Cinco de Mayo this year, because I'm going right to you, yeah. just like I used to go to uh, Councilman Larry Clores. Mm -hmm. uh, he always made it a point to solicit the different council members to be a part of the Saginaw Cinco de Mayo parade. He thought it was that yeah. important. And it he is. came to me with the idea, you know, to get you yeah. all up on up on a flatbed and uh, have yeah. some Tejano music in the background. And, yeah, uh, it is. It, it, really it, it is important that you're there, that we see you as a community, and I'm talking about the Latino community, mm -hmm. that we see our council uh, people and that, you know, you're representing and that you're also – uh, with welcoming arms to our community, you mm -hmm. know, and, I, and it is it is very important. What topics are you most interested in as a councilman today? 
I know you talked at one point about Saginaw policing, mm-hmm. and I, I know that um, our interaction, you and I, we've been talking about Christmas with angels, what's mm-hmm. happening in our community there. What's important to you today as a councilman? It it always depends on... I did four different ride-alongs with our city police, and if anything, what I understand, not with just the, the police department, but with other departments, that we are understaffed, that we really need to look to the next generation to step up and come and be employed and work for the city. It's, it's very parallel to newer council members running for office. Right. We need other newer blood in there to be able to make sure our city's okay. We don't have that now. What uh, it of anything there's always going to be an art, uh, interest with these ARPA funds. So it's the American Rescue Plan Act funds. The city was given 52 million dollars to be able to concentrate on things uh, that were either affected by COVID, but more importantly that just have been brewing for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so we that, that's that's definitely going to be our point of concentration. So when it comes to police, I think that we what the four ride-alongs I did, every time I said, "Hey, how many guys how many do you think you need extra to be able to do your job sufficiently?" There's four police officers per shift. Two are sent on each side of the city, so really just two and two, just the city police. So there's also sheriffs and the, the state police out there. But when it comes to just city police, they said we would love eight. Yeah. And so I know that they're humble to a certain extent. So I said, well, you guys probably need 12. And they're like, oh, that would be great. That would be amazing. And like the, the those are the types of things that we need to really reevaluate. If we're going to be fully functional as a city... We need people to come and work for the city. How do we help with that? Not just with funds, with money, but also signaling to people that we are behind you. We we care we about support you. you, and we we're we're trying to we're trying to help you in any any way possible. And that's what's interesting about these ARPA funds. There's an ability for a premium pay. But also for intergenerational mentorship where you can do both ends of it. You can pay somebody to get involved in an internship and then you can pay them higher than other localities at the other end. And look at that as a way to to really build the city. You know, our city, there are so many people that love the city. Yeah. And there are so many different ways that we can try to figure out how we can to really motivate people to galvanize to be part of our city and to to serve and to to help out so i mean that's always going to be my concentration that and we have a poverty issue right like a third of us are in poverty and we need to figure out not only why that's happening but how to get out of that Mm -hmm. Mm. so what would you say to say a hispanic business owner let's just give this as an example because um I was at that meeting that we had over at the church on Washington, okay. um, and it was posted by pastors uh, Mary and Isaac Garcia, mm-hmm. and we talked about the ARPA funding uh, mm-hmm. for the city, and you know, what would you say to a Hispanic business over that um, wants to make sure that you know they're at the table, mm-hmm. that their business is going to be funded in a way that, because they have been hurt by COVID, and that's what yeah. this funding is really the, 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 the is for you know to mm-hmm. those businesses that have been exasperated by the COVID pandemic, and and we've all been hit. We've all been hit. Yeah. 
in but, different ways. But what do we say to say a Latino out there who is a business owner as well and maybe might feel that, well, we're not at the table because we're never at the table sometimes. Yeah. We're always overlooked. That's what I hear a lot, yeah. right? That people that had used uh, the traditional types of ways to get grants or allocations, they, they are disillusioned. And I've sat at many conversations with our Latino community and for people to continue to say that to, to this day, uh, there is an opportunity for people to go to the Small Business Association to request funds. The, go to the, first, give me a call 989-992-3803. Again, 989-992-3803. That's my number. That's my, my number since I was 16. <laughs> uh, call me because I'm working with a current uh, food vendor and with these funds I sent you the, the information more than any other allocation from the federal government these ARPA funds can be used to help small business specifically restaurant and food trucks that have been affected by uh, COVID if you have 25 workers or less or if you're not a franchise or if you operate within a million dollars or less, I believe, and, and we'll work on this together. But that's what I gleaned from that thing I, I sent you on YouTube. Um, you all, especially black and brown people, you have an opportunity to be able to get ahead of the line for whatever, re you know, that's the spirit of the bill, to be able to be accepted earlier because when, again, we talk about ARPA. One of the words is rescue. And I said this last time on the last show. What are we going to rescue ourselves from? We're really rescuing ourselves from this business as usual. Um, survive. Survive. Intergenerational poverty. And I can't say that enough. We really have an opportunity with people, especially that are working their butts off, trying to, trying to make ends meet, to harness these funds and the power of the federal government and local government to be able to help your situation. And some people don't believe it. That's the most frustrating thing, is that some people, you know, I'm telling them the same thing I'm sure other people have told them, that they can't that they can get help, and they're like, ah, oh, well, you know, I tried before, I'm not going to be able to do it. But more than any other piece of legislation that I evaluate, these ARPA funds are used to, are able to be used to bring people out of intergenerational poverty, mainly if you're a black and a brown person. And that's exciting that I can ha I find nothing more exciting than that as a uh, local government official. Well, you know, uh, when you hear sometimes, even, even during this pandemic, you know, mm -hmm. when you hear that, you know, a grant or, you know, help coming away, does, mm -hmm. does that, you think right away, does that involve paperwork that you got to fill out that okay there seems to be sometimes historically roadblocks and people feel like they they need a, a good um uh, person that knows how to write grants, grants yeah. and and it's it, it can be very cumbersome for mm -hmm. some of course but it's really not that hard no and I, and I and i had applied myself under sba and you know it was relatively easy and you know, like the Union Civica Mexicana, you know, mm -hmm. we make food over there so that we can survive in that place, that building, pay the bills. Yeah. Because 
when COVID hit, everything stopped. You know, mm-hmm. no no events. There was no there was no money coming in for events. There was no hall rentals. Everybody was staying away from the hall. Yet still, you got to pay the bills. So you you got to make right. great food. Right. And so so to. you and I were just talking before we got on this program about mm-hmm. tripe and menudo and yeah. how that affects us mm-hmm. because now today. When we were paying last year, or maybe two years ago, for tripe, which is the inside lining of a of a cow that mm-hmm. we use for our soup called manudo, which many Don't in our community know. <laughs> no, but the <laughs> thing is, is you know that tripe typically would you know you go to uh, some of the local markets and it would cost you maybe uh, twenty to twenty nine dollars, mm-hmm. and now because of I believe price gouging, yeah, it's sixty five dollars for a ten pound. Everybody's trying to make a buck off, yeah. the, off the people that are are less fortunate and disenfranchised. And, and we're and we're trying to you know sell that food. One, we know people love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you know, to survive there over at twenty seven fifteen Wadsworth. Yep. Uh, so it it is affecting us. This pandemic is affecting the restaurant owners, the business owners, people. They don't even realize, I don't think, until you know you sit down and you're, you know, you're paying the bills or what have you, and you realize, wow, you know, we're really getting hurt. So this mm. is really important stuff, and, and I'm glad that you guys had the meeting over there at the church, yeah. um, King of Kings, over on Washington, yep. Pastor Mary and Isaac Garcia, and we had that discussion because that put us at the table. A lot of Hispanic business owners were there. A lot of the African American community was there. Yeah. Some were louder. Uh, some didn't get to uh, speak their piece, mm-hmm. uh, but it was important because you had um, the mayor there, you had yourself and some of the city council members, as well as the city manager, and and those types of meetings are important. So that was on a Saturday during the U of M MSU yeah, game. Yeah. So if we get a full crowd there, you know how desperate people are to yeah. be able to come and be informed about how they can get help. It, it, people are like, oh, why'd you why'd you do it during that day? It's like, you know, one, we, this is when we're available, but two, that shows you something that mm-hmm. people are really desperate for help. They know that it's possible, but they're just looking for guidance. I think that there's many council members that have done a great job uh, informing the public in total, not just myself. There's been, you know, Councilwoman Lamar Sylvia yes. is doing great work trying to get. Uh, people to write their own proposals so we can submit them to, to council. That's a, a, a project that she's doing. I'll post that on my Facebook page. Um, but and, there's and, other people doing great you, work. You know what, what I found about that meeting that was so interesting was that so many people were so attentive mm-hmm. to what was happening there. They they yeah. knew that this was something important. They know it's coming down the pipeline. Yeah. And they want to make sure that their voices are heard. And mm-hmm. that, that's what I think we need to see a lot more of in our community. And as you know, we talked about maybe some of the, the, the new narrative of the city council members who mm-hmm. are a little bit louder now. And you, and you mentioned it, it's part of the sign of the times we live in. Yeah. But I think it's so important that people of color, especially, mm-hmm. that they are uh, their, their voice is being heard and, and, and in, a, in a professional mannerism. Yeah. And that, you know, they're, they're listened to by our government. You mm-hmm. know, it's so important because of the days that we have gone through and that we have lived. Yeah. And times are totally different. If we don't do it now, we're never going to do if it. If not us, then who? Haven't exactly. we heard this, Rob, recently on some of our shows? Yes, if not us, yes, indeed. then who? So, yes, <laughs> yeah. that, that's really something. Tell me a little bit about your involvement with Christmas with Angels. Oh, yeah. Oh, if anybody wants to give money... I'm trying to do a match fund, which match funds means you give money, I give money. I'm going to give money anyway. But 
Yeah, I think it would be fun. I tried to do this last year with the um, Ezekiel Project. Yet, if anybody wants to give, and you can give information on how they can get the money, but I will match up to $300. I, I believe that there are many people in the city of Saginaw that need additional support and help. This is the time to do so. Uh, I went over my finances. <laughs> I think I'll be okay. But it's important. Uh, we need to we need to make sure that people are donating to Christmas with Angels, and that we have a great showing this year. It's been a tough year for everybody. Yeah, it will continue to be a tough year for everybody. Uh, I'm more than willing to help out. So if anybody's listening now or in the future, um, you can give the information. Say Michael sent you. And hopefully we try to generate some more money. I think that those are types of things that uh, we want to do to make sure that nobody in the city goes without. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for your uh, donation when I hit you up yeah, uh, for absolutely. that. Christmas with Angels started five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Elvis Mackle Jr. was a big part of it. Bobby DeLeon, mm-hmm. uh, Katarina Barajas. There, there was a number of, of individuals, leaders, as well as uh, people in the public that came together and said, how can we help our Latino community mm-hmm. with Christmas? Because there, there was a lot of families that needed help. And... I'm proud to say that as of today, you know, we've helped over 500,000, 500, 500 kids mm-hmm. in the community, and we raise uh, between ten um, to $17,000, Where and then we select these families, and we have them go with one of our angels, they go shopping for the kids, and then we all meet together over at the Union Civica Mexicana, and we open up the presents. We we feed them good Mexican comidas, mm-hmm. and it's just a it's a beautiful atmosphere. And this year we're doing a Christmas Candyland, so um, I'm really proud of that. I know all of the angels are, and we're gonna incorporate you more, Michael, to yeah. Councilman Flores to be a part of that and um, bring Elliot that day. We the- will. They'll, they'll, they'll Elliot. Or I went to the soup kitchen with uh, Mr. DeLeon uh, two days ago. Yep, yesterday. And, you know, I'm going to bring Elliot there. There are a lot of lessons to be learned, especially when you are uh, more fortunate than others, right? Yeah. That you need to really, if you care about your community, you need to recognize that other people really, really, really need help and do everything you can in your power to, to, to try to help them and feel like they're cared for regardless of who they are you know again when i did that right along with the police uh one person said uh, officer said all i want to do is feel appreciated which tugs at my heart because everybody wants to feel appreciated we're all doing a job if we do it together collectively whether it be a homeless person or a police officer we we need to send a signal that we're all in this together yes and we are we are Final question. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to know, like, how important is it to you that as Latinos here in this community that we have a presence mm-hmm. and that we magnify that pre- presence in our community to make sure, like I've always said, that we're at the table? Mm-hmm. It, I will do everything within my power to expand our presence and to signal to everybody else in the community that we we want to help as mm-hmm. much as possible. Uh, I'm not sure what that means in the future, but if there's anything that needs to be done, it's important that as Latinos, 
we'd be recognized for the work that we're trying to Our do in the first place, the contributions, contributions that we have in the first place. And I think it's incredibly important. I think that, that there's a responsibility upon all of us that have been given the, the fortunate ability to, to represent or to help or to give that we multiply that uh, for our next generation, for Elliot yes. and for everybody. Nice. So I think that that's, we're going to continue to work on that. I, th- I think it would be great to see a city council that has more than one Hispanic. <laughs> what I told people before when I was running is there's a 100% chance that a white individual feels represented. There's a 100% chance that a woman feels represented. There's a 100% chance that a man feel, or a black person feels represented. There's a 100% chance that an LGBTQ person feels represented. There's a 9% chance when I was running that a Latino would feel represented. Wow. And until I was elected, that was those were the odds. And so we need more of that. And if, if, when people are qualified and able and ready to serve, I will stand behind them 100%. Nicely said, nicely said. Well, I want to thank Councilman Flores for being with me today here on Mi Gente On Air as we tread through the water during a long-lasting pandemic in hopes of a better tomorrow. We are in the holiday season, yet we are mindful of the Oxford shooting like an hour away last week, from an hour away from Saginaw. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's love one another, reach out to help those around you during this holiday season. I'm your host, Larry Rodarte, and it has been a pleasure. Thank you, Michael, for being with us. Thank you so much. Christmas with Angels, $300. Until next week, stay warm and eat lots of tamales. <laughs> Hasta go. luego. Hasta luego. Hasta luego.